Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com slash careers. That's opcpest.com slash careers. Where do you go to find all your favorite wine, beer, and spirits with selections customized to local tastes? For over 25 years, that go-to place has been Cox's Spirit Shop. Cox's, Louisville's go-to liquor store. Big pick set out on top, but the ball is loose. And now they get it to Seaver. It's going to be Louisville in front. I shook up the world. In BCS Bowl terms, you guys shook up the world. Hey, I'm the king of the world. Hold it, hold it, hold it. Hold it, hold it. You're not that pretty. I'm a bad man. I shook up the world. First and third, two The 2-2 two, two from Iggy. Swing and a miss. The cards are headed to Omaha. Welcome into another edition of Louisville Sports Live, the city's longest-running all-UFL sports talk show right here on 93.9 The Ville. I'm Ethan Moore. He's Taylor Lynch. Spencer Brown behind the glass. Spencer? A little late on that, but better late than never. You're you're Uh, blasting my eardrums out right now, brother man. I'm sorry. I was just so excited to start the show. Taylor forgot what to do when I'm in charge now. I I did. I did. I had like a, a, a moment where I was like, I forgot. Yeah, I was about to be like Zach Attack, but then it's not Zach Attack because it's it's Spencer. So yeah, see, you know, it's it's you know, it's the bands back together. That's right. You know it's what like I mean for for a little bit. So yeah, we had we had to switch that up. You know, we do on LSL every Wednesday or Thursday, sometimes a Tuesday for two hours a week. All things UFL football, basketball, and recruiting, and that's why we're the city's longest running all UFL sports talk show because we love chatting chatting it up. With you fine ladies and gentlemen on this Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day, gentlemen. Yes, happy Valentine's Day. We uh we have the the, the wife, Miss Mrs. Lynch is, is in studio with us tonight. Hanging Yes out, hanging out. Uh this is what you do when you're when you're married on Valentine's Day. You just you, you bring your wife to work. So And then so then you went to Jimmy John's for a very romantic meal. <laughs> a little romantic Jimmy's John's. No. We uh we, we had leftovers at home tonight, so it's very we're going out Friday night, so no, don't text line, don't come after me. We're we're going out Friday night, so I was gonna say, I mean, I'm single, so it doesn't matter what my opinion is, but I feel like Wednesday's like the worst night because it's the middle of the week and it's like it is. you can't do anything. No, you can't. No, you- so, so Ethan, we Spencer and I had this conversation before the show started. Zach sent him a text and was like, "Hey, can you fill in for me tonight? Is Zach on a date? Perhaps." That is what we want Perhaps. to know. Perhaps. That is what we want to know. Is Zach on a date tonight? He claims he was feeling sick, but he also did the uh, the round table with Anna because Strebel was out today. Oh, but he was feeling sick. Yeah. Love sick. Maybe. Zach, he sees got a date. You know what? We, we, you know, uh, there's another date um, that's, that's very important that we're going to find out potentially before we end on the show. Oh, yeah? 
And that was a terrible segue. It was a terrible um, – I was trying to be clever on the play on words, but it didn't work out. Did not Notre Dame and Georgia Tech are battling as we speak. By the time the show ends, we will have somebody tied with us in the basement. Ooh. The ACC. So get ready for that. Things to look forward to. Could could Miss Lynch, but you know maybe potentially towards the end of the program, um, could you give her a scenario where she gets fired up <laughs> and her northeastern <laughs> accent comes out just about something? It could be sports, you know. We'll see. I don't know, Spencer. Something hold, hold, you know. Hang by the dump button. <laughs> yes, yes. We'll um, maybe we have something like that to look forward to. But, but Taylor, before uh, we had our pre-show meeting uh, over the phone, and you made a really good point that we can get into it. Of course, Cards lost again last night, 89-77, yep. to uh, the Mighty Eagles of Boston College, who improved the 14-10, and 5-8 and eight in the ACC. Louisville fell to 8-17, and 3-11 and 11 in conference play. You said something – because I went on a diatribe on the postgame show last night about you know how no matter what what we're we're talking about you can talk about current events sports politics whatever you want to do there's so many factions of this is how it should be period this is how it should be period and there's no middle ground I said last night that you know you can say that the team is improving but they still need a coaching change. They're playing better, but they still need a coaching change. Both can be true. That does just because you beat Georgia Tech doesn't mean KP should get a year three. Just because you beat Florida State doesn't mean KP should get another year. And just because you know, just because that that is the case, and you kind of corrected me a little bit, and you said the team well. The team necessarily hasn't improved, but there's certain there's a certain area of the team. Shed some light on that for us, right? Yeah. So we need to we need to get rid of this narrative of the teams getting better, and I'm guilty of it too because I've said it on the post game shows before. We've but we've got to kill that narrative of the team is getting better. The team is not getting better. The team is just playing better offensively. Those are two very different things. Fundamentally, they're still bad. I mean, they're still a bad team. Defensively, they're terrible. They've been terrible since the beginning of the season, and they're still bad now. So we've got to get away from this, they're getting better. They're not getting better. They're getting better offensively in one specific area. They're they're scoring the ball better. They're also doing it against worse teams than they played against earlier in the season, which is something that we really need to keep in mind as we're going through the rest of this schedule, they're, they're going to be playing, and, and we've talked about it, at, I feel like, at nauseum, but we can go over it again. They played Georgia Tech and won. They played Boston College last night and lost. The rest of the schedule for Louisville, with the exception of Duke, they play Pitt, Notre Dame, Syracuse, Virginia Tech, and BC again. It's not like Murderer's Row by any stretch of the imagination. So if they look better offensively it probably has as much if not more to do with yeah they're getting better but the level of competition with which they're playing absolutely well you know that was a point that was well made in something that i mentioned too like uh, late last night on the Coors light louisville basketball post game show is that louisville's going to win next week they're going to beat notre dame at home 
But they're also going to lose to Pitt on Saturday, and they're going to lose to Duke next Saturday. I mean, that's just what we've seen so far. We can be pretty confident in those three things happening. But I also don't want to, you know, reinvent the wheel and talk about, well, maybe KP needs another year if we beat Notre Dame. You know, newsflash, (laughs) Notre Dame is not good either. And at least with Georgia Tech, you could say, well, you know, Georgia Tech's not good, but they did beat three of the better teams in the ACC with UNC, Duke, and Clemson. That ain't the case with Notre Dame. No. You, you, they did beat Virginia up in South Bend by 20, but that was a fluke. I mean, if you look at both teams' resumes, that was a fluke. And now Virginia won, what, seven or eight in a row until they lost last night to Louisville's next opponent on Saturday. So – Louisville's going to win some more games. And then, Taylor, too, Louisville concludes the season with three straight home games against average teams. Boston College is not an NCAA tournament team. Syracuse, I mean, they're an NIT team right now. They beat UNC last night. Perhaps they can be a bubble team. And then Virginia Tech is is an NIT team if you've ever seen one. Yeah, I think Syracuse has an opportunity to play themselves in at least into like the first four. Um, I can see that, but but yeah, I mean, you mentioned that the rest of the schedule, it's not intimidating by any means. No, um, let's let's uh, have an update on Basement Watch. Georgia Tech seven, Notre Dame six, with fifteen fifteen to go in the first half. Seven Notre Dame has <laughs> they are um, Notre Dame is eight and sixteen. So if they lose, we're going to have identical records. So something just to keep in mind. The race no. for the bottom. Did you put any money on this game, Ethan? I feel like you, you would be the one to place money on this game. No, <laughs> um, I didn't even know they were playing until just a few minutes ago. Um, I did lose, though. I did take I did take Louisville plus 9.5 and, and plus 7.5 um, last night. I, th- I thought that they would cover based on recent play and that, you know, the, the very, what, intimidating – Conti Forum oh, up yeah. there in Chestnut Hill in front of what 117 people. If there were that many, I mean, we need the foyer request, Louis. <laughs> yeah, yes. Uh, I, I really, I think Harold called into the post game show last night. He said there was like seven fraternity bros in their student section, <laughs> and he wasn't exaggerating. I mean, there was literally seven people there. Wow, in the student section, and. There wasn't anybody. And so I think that is another area where Cardination deserves its props. For as bad as Louisville has been, the Yum Center in the lower level has never looked like that. No. Period. No. Even in 4-28 and last season, it wasn't that bad. Um, but at least, you know, I think Boston College and KP said that himself, that, you know, Louisville kind of punched first. And BC countered, and Louisville didn't answer. They kind of wilted and, as KP said, submitted. And I, I agree with him with that assessment. That's exactly what happened. And then, too, Taylor, this is just more evidence that we've you got to kill the year three talk. I mean, yes. there's been some buzz about giving Josh Hurd, you know, before, before everybody wants to jump on him for not firing him um, during – the Christmas break after the the annual loss of the team up the road, I've heard more murmurs, more scuttlebutt from multiple sources that it's going to come out at the end of the season as to why a move wasn't made. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, 
until I can source that out more, I'm not comfortable enough to say that specifically. But as of right now, I am comfortable with saying KP's not getting a third year. No. And, and, and look, I, I don't think it's necessary. And I, I don't think that's even really a conversation to be had because we talked about it Saturday night on the post game show as well that you can enjoy these wins that will likely come here at the end just based on the level of competition that you're playing. And there's nothing wrong with enjoying the win, but just because you're enjoying the win doesn't mean that it warrants a year three, that beating Georgia tech warrants a year three. Like we we, haven't you been so surprised Taylor though, at just how numb we have become as a fan base. Like literally we did this against Miami. Mm-hmm. After we won, we did this after Florida State, and we were doing this, and we, meaning a small portion of the fan base. And again, if if that is where you are, cool. Like again, at LSL, man, we can, we are good with with discussing all sorts of opinions. Yeah. But if you take the emotion out, legitimately, I, I would ask somebody to provide us with evidence statistics, trends, facts, whatever, that would lead you to believe that he should get another season when you're 12 and 45 overall, 5 and 29 in ACC play, and 1 and 24 away from home. I mean, what is there? There's nothing. So if you take the emotional aspect out of it, it's an open and shut case. And, you know, people are talking, well, they're, you know, Hurd has a difficult decision at the end of the season. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. Because no. the evidence before us, Taylor, is loud and clear. Listen, it just didn't work out. It just didn't work out. No, I, it, it and it's okay. It's okay for it to not work out. It's okay. We just have to accept it and move on. And and you and I have talked about it, and you, you said it, and I brought it up on Saturday, that if this team wins 10 games this season, if they win 9 games, hell, if they win 11 games, when you look at it at the end of the year, it will still be the second worst season in the history of Louisville basketball, followed up only by last season, both of which occurred under Kenny Payne. So you will have the two worst seasons in Louisville basketball on your record. That doesn't warrant a year three. If this was Kenny Payne and he had you know been a Wisconsin alum or some other insert school here, there'd be no question. No. You'd be saying, okay, he's getting fired. And I know you brought this point up, Taylor. I know Ethan's brought up others, hosts around here. When you do business with family who are alum, it exactly. gets really dicey because yep. – you don't want to cut bait. You know, Scott Frost at Nebraska is a f- the famous example in football, obviously. Uh, you know, it looked good on paper, mm-hmm. just didn't work out after five years. We see it in basketball all the time. You know, Chris Mullen going to St. John's, Clyde Drexler at Houston, obviously Patrick Ewing recently. Yep. It doesn't work out more often than not. And it sucks because, again, we want Kenny back for, you know, 86, you know, celebrations and whatnot. It just didn't work out. Yeah. And like Taylor said, there's, you tried. You know, you could certainly have made the argument after last year that being so bad, you didn't even warrant a year two. But you know what? You gave him a year two, and we now have definitive evidence that it's not going to work. It's just not. You know, you doubled the amount of wins. Cool. You shouldn't have won just four to begin with. Exactly. You could triple. You could triple the amount of wins. Cool. 
you shouldn't have won four games to begin with. I made the I made the argument last night that if you're if this was year one or year zero, whatever you want to say, <laughs> we wouldn't be happy, but at least we would have some glimpses of oh okay I, yeah. You know, we've had some close losses. You win. You, you've won three league games. Let's see what year two looks like. We would be you know having I mean? a completely different conversation. You're 100%. absolutely right. We'd be talking about, you know, you've got, you know, you like what you see from Caleb Glenn, and you've liked what you've seen from the resurgence of Brandon Huntley Hatfield, and you really like Tyler Johnson, and, and what are they going to look like in year two, and and you know they that that's something that you can build on. Mike James comes back. That's something you can build on. They've been in some close games, who? you know. But who? Mike James. That's something you can build on, though. Like those are the conversations we, we would be talking about. But those are the conversations that we were supposed to be having last year, and we didn't. And also, like this year, we've seen time again. Defense is absolutely horrendous, absolutely terrible. We and then that's, that's not getting fixed. Yeah, no. this year, if that's he, not if happening. If this was, you know, hypothetically year one, we could say, okay, offense, we see flashes. Defense, you have to go get someone in the portal, yeah. more preferably the portal, who is a defensive specialist, and that's like their game is to help boost this team's defense. Because you got to get a stopper, and if you get that stopper, or if you, if you've just if you just shown the ability to teach, I mean, you were talking about you know fundamentally the team is not any better. I just don't think this. I don't think the. The proof on the court shows that this staff simply doesn't know how to teach defensive principles. No. I mean, they just don't because you can't have the coach saying the same thing 20-something games into his second season. I need my guys to understand this. I need my guys to understand that. Well, that was what the non-conference slate was for that was ranked 313th via Kempom. I tell them and to you do were this, five and they're and six. not listening to me. How many well, times you have got to find that? a way? Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. And so, while the team has gotten better offensively, you know, you, how many wins out of KP's 12 has been impressive? If you look at it objectively and from the prism of Louisville historically, I would argue one, and that was at Miami. There were a what, 16, 17-point underdog, yeah. which, by the way, they should have never been that big of an underdog anyways, but nobody thought we would win that game, and they did. Miami, like you said, uh, is is a is on the bubble. I yep. don't know how how far that bubble is um, to, to bursting or if they're going to make it, whatever, but at least – I think you mentioned Syracuse. Yeah, but Syracuse, Miami, I think, is on the bubble. Miami they, could be. Miami, yeah, they would be North Carolina. They've fallen off. Saturday, definitely. Yeah, yeah, and so, but but the Hurricanes have fallen off. What did they? How many did they lose after they beat us? Like it, three out of the last four, four yeah, out of the last they five. Went on a streak of just losing, losing, losing. Also, but Miami's only beat team a year ago, so that adds to just how impressive. Even though it's not the same team, obviously, mm-hmm. to the impressiveness yeah. of that win. Exactly, and so, and I think Spence, I think you said this. The, uh, you said this with with Ennis today. You know, you're going to criticize Payne for for being so bad, 12 and 45. Then give him, you know, give him the props when things look good. And for that game, it looked good. I think I had post game that night. They yeah. they received their flowers. Coaches and the players received their flowers for that win because they deserved it, just like they deserve the criticism when they don't win. 
and competitive losses isn't the standard. Getting busted by average to mid teams, mediocre to, to below average teams like last night in front of 106 fans, <laughs> that's not acceptable. I mean, so... The event staff, that was, that was all that was there. Right. I mean, you know, I counted the cheerleaders too. I mean, yeah. I, I don't think I, I don't. Did the Eagles mascot make make it to the game? I don't know if I saw. Him. I don't think he did. I was gonna say I quipped on the dry today. It's like the Bruins had a home game last night, so people probably went to that instead. Also, it's a nine o'clock on a school night, which that's also, also nobody in Boston cares about Boston College. Yeah, that's true too. Like, not even a like little the bit. bean pot was going on this week. People care more about that. That's true. Yeah, it, it is amazing that there wasn't any more fans there again I, and i know that that boston doesn't really care about bc but i mean goodness gracious i know I mean, it's a power four program like could you get three to four thousand in there but i mean and they're not they're not great by any stretch but not like bottom of the barrel bad either so we need to outlaw know. these nine o'clock tip-offs local time amen like eight thirty. At the latest, preferably eight o'clock. Like this is ridiculous. The schedule six thirty is like, when they need to start. I, okay, I'll concede to that. But like last night, you had us and the team up the road both playing in the Eastern Time Zone at nine o'clock. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And so, speaking of the team up the road, they got rid of Billy Gillespie after just two Billy years. Clyde. And his his overall record was forty and twenty seven. I'd kill for that. There should be. <laughs> That that proves the point. Yeah, you hammered that point home, Spence. If if in, in, listen, as much as we hate it, we compare ourselves to them. They're our arch rival. True. They're you know they're in that. Obviously, they're in the top six or seven programs of all time, like we are. And we we look at ourselves. We compare ourselves to that program. There is no way, alumni or not, if they were twelve and forty-five, that they would even be considering giving their coach a third year no so not at all and then you know again it, listen at least it kind of does it did it i think it's past tense did it spice up conversation for a short bit yes because you know but again when you're conditioned to lose and lose and lose we went from losing every game getting embarrassed and blown out to close losses and then you win a couple of games it just goes to show how much we have been numbed to all of the losing, and then when you actually win a game, it's like, well, well, what if? Let's imagine. Let's take <laughs> a, a trip world. down where we win <laughs> one out of every five games. Do we want more of this? No. I mean, and then you can't guarantee that the ballers on this team will be back anyways. But you can't do that for any team, let alone a team that's been really bad. No. With NIL out there, listen, Tyler Johnson is a star. Yeah, inmate. he is. BHH, in my opinion, is playing his way into the second round of the NBA draft. I, if he's not, then I could see him getting like a two-way deal. Or, you know, the G League, he can get a call-up, a 10-day contract. He's definitely made so, himself some money in the last couple of weeks, yes. without question. So, yeah. All right, you want to go to the phone lines? Because we, we got full lines, man. Let's do it. 8150-939. Happy Valentine's Day. Welcome yeah. to LSL. All right, Tim. Welcome in. What's up, man? Hey, gentlemen. How are we doing? Um, I had a couple quick points I'd get to and then uh, let you guys go to comment. Uh, you know, I think the first off is I don't really think it's improvement per se. I just think we're awful now, whereas we used to be beyond awful. I mean, we used to be 
generationally bad last year. This year we're just awful. So when people talk and compare, you know, Kenny Payne to like the Isaiah Thomas and and Patrick Ewing and 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 you know Kevin Stallings of the world, I, I guess Kevin Stallings would be much of an would be a very much of an upgrade. Uh, I, I just think they're just awful now, like I said. Um, so, I mean, if you took last year out and this truly was Kenny Payne's first year, like he likes to say, I mean, we're probably going to finish last place or next to last in a bad conference. Um, as far as the game last night, uh, you know, I, I, I don't get angry as much as I used to. I won a bunch of money gambling on it last night because <laughs> I kind of predicted how I thought Louisville's players would do. So I had a single-game prop that paid, like, $90 on a $5 bet. There you go. Um, but, um, you know, I, I, I played, and, and not to pull like the, uh, who is it, Rummage that does that. You know, I, I played pretty competitive ball uh, when I was younger, and I, I can't say I've ever seen someone pull that off. Like, I think within the first five minutes of the game, um, Boston College got four or five wide open layups and it was almost on a uh it was almost like they were running like a down screen pick and roll off the ball which and i don't know why but louisville didn't communicate and they didn't switch on it and when you've got a down screen like that and they were just clearing out the post and then setting this screen up you know near the three-point line and then the guy was just floating to the basket and Louisville didn't switch on it ever, which doesn't make any sense when you, you neither of your guys have the ball that are involved. So if you've got nobody back in the paint, you have to switch that. Or you at least have to body up the, the cutter. Like, it's not like a backdoor play where you're getting, like, surprised, like Princeton used to run. I mean, they're just running a screen at the top and floating to the basket like a pick and roll. But with no ball to pick up, it, it makes zero sense. And it just, you know, it's why the defense is so broken. It's just they don't know what to do. And, uh, you know, I, I, I listened to your post game last night, Ethan, and, and, you know, I was laughing when Kenny Payne used to fight, I think, five times to answer in the answer to Michael McCammon's first question because it was kind of like my drinking game for how many times we're going to hear fight. Uh, which well, you'd be hammered then. On- <laughs> yeah, it was, it was typical nonsense, but he said something that just kind of made me realize, like, he really just doesn't know what he's doing because he said in one of the answers, I'm paraphrasing, he said, you know, we didn't, you know, we didn't fight. We weren't tough enough. You know, we didn't, when they hit us in the mouth, we didn't push back in the second half. You know, we didn't make adjustments. And I'm sitting there thinking, like, the players don't make adjustments. You make adjustments. So when you say, like, we don't make adjustments, like, Either one of two things happens. Either you as the coach didn't make adjustments or you made adjustments and your players chose not to listen to what you told them to do. It can't be both. You can't, your players can't not make adjustments. Uh, I mean, like, you know, if you're, you know, going to like a, a man to a zone, you know, you tell your guys we're switching defenses and they either switch the defense or they're not listening to you. There's not like my players make adjustments. So, it's like he still doesn't understand the fundamental aspects of what it means to coach basketball. And I think that's kind of like, you know, there's no point getting mad about it. I think he's doing the best he can. He's just not capable of, of doing the job. Um, but that's that's the points I had. I appreciate it. Love the show, guys. 
So have a have a good Valentine's Day. <laughs> thanks. There you go. Right. There we go. Appreciate it, Tim. More thanks, Tim. More like Palentine's Day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here all night, ladies and gentlemen. That's nine terrible. All right. Dad joke, bro. I lo- that's I why you're it. a teacher, not a comedian. Hey, there you go. <laughs> oh, hey, that's that's nice. Um, do you want to talk about? Can we talk about what happened to your hand? I know that's like a weird segue, but like I was just was thinking because because the wife asked me, "Did you hear what happened to Ethan's hand?" Because you know your wife put you on blast. So, oh man, uh, was it on FaceSpace or something? No, no I was they, trying to be. Uh, their, it was on their phone. Their 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 little uh their little chat this afternoon. Oh. I was trying to be helpful, and you were being a gentleman. I was trying to be a gentleman, and so there, was, I, I helped coach my daughter's basketball teams. And in between practices, there was a side goal that needed to be raised, and this this lady was having trouble. That the goal was stuck in. They're using a drill to connect with this metal rod that has a hook on it that they connect to the to the backboard, and then. The drill obviously spins, and then you move the backboard up or down. And so I went over there helping, thinking I could be of some help. And the the torque from the drill just rolled my rolled my hand uh, violently, um, you know, to the point where I thought I broke it. I ended up taking it to get X-rayed. I don't. They said the X-ray was negative. Um, but I, it's in a soft cast right now. And of course it's your dominant hand. Of course. And, and, you know, you take for granted (laughs) when you're like, I mean, putting on deodorant, a shirt is a chore. Um, and it's very painful. And now it's been two days that I haven't been able to go to the gym and lift. So I'm, I'm not really happy about that either. Um, but yes, I I was trying to do, I was trying to do that. and It happened so fast. And so forceful, like I still don't even exactly know what happened. I just know that it swelled up quick, and it was extremely painful. But it's slowly but surely getting better, and it's it sucks to have to do everything with one hand. And it was funny at the post game last night. I was doing one more read, and I you know I thought about it, and I was like, oh, this is small potatoes, whatever. I can I can handle this, but like. The read paper got out of my reach, and I had the microphone in my left hand, and I was trying, and I couldn't grab it right with this cast, and it took me like an awkward like three or four seconds before I could like finish the read, and I was just like, sorry. Oh. But yeah. Well, I felt bad because after you told me that this afternoon, then I'm thinking, God, Spencer and Zach probably just think you hate them because you just haven't responded to anything in the group chat. But then I'm like, well, that's because my boy's hand's half broke. He can't text anymore. See, I just hey, was teaching during the day, and he was like, ah, oh, God, deal with some no, students every while. Yeah, and, you know, a lot of you know, and most of the time, obviously during the day too, I, I'm I'm busy. But then you know, normally I could hit like an auto reply, but like it's it's a chore, and so it, but it's like this. So you have your phone. In like, if you have your phone in, in my right pants pocket, like I can't reach in there. Yeah. With it, so then I have to contort my body and get it out of my. It's just, it's just the weird little things that you take for granted when you know everything's working as, as it's supposed to, and it's just you know, it's one of those things. You know, it could be a lot worse. It could well, be a lot worse. But you know, hopefully, you, you heal know. up quick, my man. That's that's what I am drinking extra milk. There you go. Uh, let's go back to the phone lines, Lawrence. Has been waiting. Lawrence, welcome in, man. What up? 
What up, Ethan? What up, Taylor? Man, it's your world player. We're just in it. Yeah, there's a couple things I need to say. First off, the um, ACC and NCAA suck. Both of them suck. Yes. Yes. The estimation they gave Jeff Wall was was a New York. You know what? I can't say it on air. I think I think they got robbed Sunday, and for him to get signed twenty k is a joke. It's ridiculous. For that referee not get uh, punished for making that bad call is a joke. It shows how arrogant and how the NCAA really treats the University of Louisville women basketball team. Because it's been a lot of games I have seen so far been questionable how the referee treats Jeff Walls and that team. But that, but. We gotta stop leaving. But like Jeff says, they gotta stop leaving in the referee's hand because you know the referees can't deal with him. They don't like him. Ever since that Final Four game from a couple years ago, they had they had personal grudges against him when he spoke out against them several times. But on the whole, Kenny Payne situation, we saw last night why this man ain't getting on the air first. Yeah, the team had made improvements on the offensive end, but what I've been saying so far this whole year, Ethan Taylor, yeah, you can play, yeah, you can score, but can you play defense? Can you rebound? Can yep. you um, have fundamentals? This team is eight and seventeen, probably going to be the what the second worst season in Louisville basketball history. So you you expect me to want to have a coach come back for another year? Went four, four and twenty-eight his first year, and probably end up going, going, going what, ten and um, ten and what, twenty, twenty-two his second year. No, I can't do that. I can't, cause we said before the season started, make the tournament. Yep. And and plus, I know everybody, everybody saw those four guys sign with Adidas today. That don't mean nothing. <laughs> I'm sorry if. If, even if the Kenny Payne get all four of those guys to come to commit to Louisville, it, that don't mean he's going to get your flurry. <laughs> Just because you got four guys standing with these don't mean they come to Louisville. Carter Knox. Yeah, and Carter Knox, as far as Carter Knox is concerned, Lawrence, I mean, USF, one of his finalists is an Adidas school now, too. So, you know, his hometown, Florida, uh, South Florida Bulls, could be a destination as well. But I think we all know where he's going. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, to your point, and Lawrence, you, you brought it up, man, at the end of the day, when you want to just talk, you want to debate, whatever, what you just said should be the, you know, the nail that you hammer down four and 28, eight and 17, like you're, we're arguing about, or some are debating about giving a coach another year when he's 12 and 45, like when when you say that out loud, there's just no way somebody else you, you could make a valid point on on the other side of the debate. Like I, you just can't when it's been that bad, and it speaks to the lack of urgency. Something Taylor, I know you and I mentioned that phrase. I mean, a million and one times last year, but it still holds true to the off season. He had to have that sense of urgency where he had to land instant impact dudes from the portal, from the recruiting class. And, but he ended up signing D'Lo and Karan Davis yeah. 
two guys who, not to be mean, but they're not Louisville caliber players. And you can't do that when you have to produce results after having the worst year in over 80 seasons of Louisville basketball. You You have to. He didn't do it. You want to know what you're going to be hearing next year, Ethan Taylor? Say Louisville gets a new head coach in here next year, and that that head coach starts winning with Kenny Payne, the players on this team right now. They're going to be like, oh, Kenny Taylor got a year for you, but one with these players. No, he wouldn't. No, 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 no. And, Lawrence, I don't know exactly how many of these guys, with the exception of maybe Tyler Johnson and Caleb Glenn and and a handful of others, I don't know how many of these guys would be on the roster for whoever the next head coach is. Like, hopefully they do. Tyler comes back. Curtis Williams comes back. Um, Caleb Glenn. I just want the whole freshman class back because I think they'd be a key piece in next year's team. If Trey White... Um, guy, Clark feel like they 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 couldn't make it here no more, and he go somewhere else. I wouldn't be disappointed because you know because you already know what you're getting with Trey White. He ain't gonna play no defense. He's looking out for four points. And Tyler Johnson, I mean Ty on um, Clark. I don't know what I'm gonna get from him each and every night. You going to get a guy who's gonna play hard. You sometimes play hard. Some guy sometimes don't play hard. You're gonna get guys jacking up three point shots. I just need I just need players who are assistant every every game who's gonna work hard, play defense, rebound, and basically not give up when things when things don't go their way on the offensive side. I just need mm-hmm. guys who's gonna actually work because if next head coach don't can work, then we're gonna probably be saying the same things about the new head coach because we because we're a universal Wolver. And last night. You can work a little bit, don't lose no bad Boston College team. I don't care nope. how, how average they are. We don't lose and Lawrence, and to another point, to another point with with what you just said about you don't lose to Boston College, even with the injuries, even with the injuries, Louisville should have beaten that Boston College team. And and that's when people, if if folks want to use like the injuries as an excuse or as a crutch, sure has has. Not having J.J. Trainer hurt this team? Yes. But can you definitively say if he was in the lineup for all the rest of those games that we would have a much different record than 8-17? Eight and, eight and 17? I mean, could you really project out? No. And the same thing, even with Scott Clark not playing, that hurt Louisville last night. There's no doubt about that. But at the same time, like – uh, you could make the argument that the injury bug has helped this team in a certain way because it's shortened the rotations, it's shortened up the lineups, and he's it's forced KP to use Tyler Johnson in more minutes, to use Curtis Williams more because there's no other options. So you, that argument goes both ways, and just because somebody doesn't play for a while or is hurt doesn't mean you automatically you know can insert – you know, J.J. Trainer's 10 points and five rebounds. Well, his productivity would, would go down if he had he was replaced in certain games. And just because these new guys are getting a lot of run um, doesn't mean that they're, that they're going above and beyond J.J. Trainer just from a number standpoint. So in a roundabout way, you could still make the argument that the shorter lineups have caused the offensive improvement maybe if you – did I did I mix that up too bad, or do you all kind of get what I'm saying with that? 
No, this short lineup actually showed the guys who should have been playing more minutes. Yep. Of guys who shouldn't be playing more minutes. Mm-hmm. But he don't know how to evaluate mm-hmm. talent on his team when it comes to um, doing rotations and getting the right players in there. How? Yeah, how much sooner has should Tyler have been playing? I mean, really. He should have been playing a lot earlier than he did. from the very beginning. Yep. Like, Curtis Williams should have been playing from the beginning, too. Yep. Just like Kale mm-hmm. playing. Like, yep. come on, man. You got to do a better job evaluating talent. Because when you got guys who are way better than the guys who have brought in, that's a problem. Because I don't understand you want you promise these guys all these minutes, but if they ain't doing ain't doing their job, sit them on the bench. Mm-hmm. Just like just like Bob Knight said. Yeah, that bench is is a motivator. There's no doubt about it. Thanks for the phone call, Laura Lawrence. Man, we always appreciate it. But Taylor, there's a lot. You know, I think again, when you when it comes down to it, I mean, you can argue current trends to your to your blue or red in the face. Yep. 12 and 45. That's what it comes back to. When when we move on from KP and people want to, uh, you know, say he didn't get a fair shot, whatever the final record is, that's the rationale. Period. He didn't get the job done. He had two full seasons to do that. And, you know, when you say, well, you know, he, he did win 11 games the second year. Well, you know what? That's what you should have done in year one. Period. Not year two after winning just four. And so that's the rebuttal. You know, if you know if, if you're get, ever getting into a debate about why he, you know, should have gotten a year three, no, I mean you can't have a four and twenty eight season. I think Tim mentioned it earlier. Like that's not just bad. That's like historically horrendous. Like you can't do that, and then follow it up with a lack of urgency and only have eight wins heading into the final stretch of the season. Like it's it's an open and shut case. It's a no brainer. It's it, it's just weird times, man, for Louisville basketball right now. It is, and, and last night against uh, against Boston College was kind of a microcosm of really what we've seen from Louisville since Kenny Payne has been here. Like, you have the first half, they come out, they play really well, firing on all cylinders. They did. Have that lead at the half. They go into the half. Uh, what was it? They were up 47 to 39. Yeah, 47 39 at the half. They come out in the second half, and Ethan, they get outscored by 20 points. 50 so we did win the second half? We did not win the second half. 50 to 30 in the second half. Boston College shooting numbers for the second half 60% from the floor. 60, let me, let me zoom in here. 63 percent from three for the game bc bc shot 56 percent and 47 percent from three like they torched louisville offensively in the second half and louisville had absolutely no answer for it and and that's the thing taylor too to your point with that like even though that louisville was shorthanded you still Against a team like Boston College, if this was like Duke or UNC, okay. Yeah. But like against Boston College, like shorthanded or not, on paper, there's more talent still with Louisville's roster than, than Boston College's. There just is. That's not that's not speculation or whatever. Talent-wise, on paper, Louisville still had the more talented roster. Absolutely. Now, it's obvious that BC has the more talented coach because he's 3-0 and against KP. And most of those wins 
have come in dominant fashion. And remember, that was the infamous 18-point beatdown to, to mercifully end Louisville's season last yes. year in the ACC tournament. So it's not like you're, you're, you're doing this against world beaters. And Louisville is shorthanded. But when people start bringing up you know, all those injuries, I mean, how many, honestly, outside of J.J. Trainer, for those that were hurt for long periods of time, would make an impact? There's none of them. Yeah, like I like, I like that. Go ahead. Oh, I like Dennis Evans when he came in. I think he's got a lot of potential. I hate that he is no longer going to be playing for this university, but we saw him like he was, you know, just staying there on defense, didn't really know what to do at, at times. And it's, again, he was a very developmental guy despite being like a high four, low sure. five star guy last year. And but like you say, he wouldn't have done much with this year's unit. Yeah, I mean, J.J. Trainer, sure, he he was a starter. He was a very solid player. There's no doubt about that. His loss impacted the team. But how many more wins would you have seen with him on the floor? Because if he was playing his 30 minutes or so, that is 30 minutes that younger players that wouldn't have gotten clock, that wouldn't have gotten run, and they might not be as improved as they are now. So it works both ways. When you talk about that, but overall, I mean, if you're ten and fifteen or eight and seventeen, who cares? Does it matter? No, because you're not where you need to be. Taylor and I were emphatically saying throughout this year, before the season tipped off, it is the NCAA tournament is the bare minimum, meaning yes. getting there. Okay, that okay. That now you can have a third year. Just getting there, not winning five or six games in conference play and still losing 20 games. No, but that just, we're kind of lulled to sleep with the lack of success from this program. And the lack of success is not solely on KP. When Matt quit, that was on him, but that was 13 and 19. (laughs) I mean, you remember how mad we were guys at 13 and 19? Remember how mad the callers were Taylor on the post game shows for 13 and 19? And then now, there's there, again, it's a smaller faction, but now you would have people making the argument that he should get a third year because you beat a team that's ten and fourteen, and that's just two years removed from thirteen and nineteen. So it's just, man, like I said it before, it's like the twilight zone, man. It's hard to put into to words just where this program is. We've just been lulled to sleep with all these losses, and I, I'm hopeful that next year a new coach can get it turned around, get that excitement back, get that you know prognostication feel when when you know uh, the, the bracketology comes out oh, what seed can we be are we on you know we're on the bubble is there, are we on you know first four in whatever like we yearn for those days again but with this staff they've they've just shown us that they, they can't get it done it's and gonna, i mean you know, i was gonna say it's gonna be nice when you know conference play rolls around january comes around and our season's not over like we know yes. that it's only just begun right it's only just bigger. <laughs> Didn't mean to set off a song reference, but go for it. Oh, no, no, I was no. wanting Taylor to finish it because, you know, nobody wants to hear me sing. They want to hear Taylor. Oh, you got some but, pipes, man. But see, but but again, it goes back, though, to Spence, to your point. This non-conference schedule was tailor-made for Louisville to have success. What do we, t- we say? At, at the worst, Louisville should be 8, 4, 9, and 3. Yeah. At the worst. Absolutely. Well, they were they were five and seven. They were worse so, than the worst. Mm-hmm. And so, what I mentioned last night in the post game was like the the deal was sealed when he was five and seven. 
with that non-conference schedule because you knew even with the ACC being inconsistent and looking like there's maybe four, maybe five at the most tournament teams, his fate was sealed when he had a losing record against a schedule rank of 313. That was it. Oh, you're absolutely right. I mean, that that was the, the nail in the coffin. With, with the way that they played in the non-conference, when you had the non-conference set up to get some easy wins, build some momentum, get some good vibes, put four in, in you know, forever behind you, and, and really get people focused on this team and, and this season and, and what they can do. And they peed down their leg, for lack of a better word, in the non-conference. And you just – you compounded what was already a a difficult situation and already had people questioning was a year two necessary was a year two warranted and then you just you you prove people right for lack of a better word and so guys we had a full roster for kentucky wesleyan we had a full roster for chattanooga yep and you still we had we had a lot of talent on the floor when you lost to the bums bum teams like arkansas state and DePaul. Like DePaul's you don't have an argument. Remember, like that—that that should never happen at Louisville. You don't care where the game's played. Exactly, DePaul should the same, never be yeah. favored. You play it exactly. on the moon, and it doesn't matter. DePaul, the mighty Blue Demons, are three and twenty. Oof. They won one game since they beat us. They're zero and eleven or zero and twelve in the ACC or in the Big East. They probably won't win a conference game. They probably won't win a game the rest of the they way. They fired their coach. Yeah, exactly. And so the, now there was a lot of there was a lot of buzz, and we brought that up at the at the at the beginning of the show, talking about um, you know kind of pump the brakes if if you've been you know really uh, up you know herds shawl if you will uh, about <laughs> what was it crawl craw or shawl a shawl is something that you wear, but like I, I think you're. I didn't want to say like a bad word. I don't know what you're trying to say. I don't know where you're trying to get to. I know that there's like something's in my crawl. That's a thing. Yes. Crawl. That's what I meant. See, I thought you were going to go a word that the FCC wouldn't like. (laughs) See, I got kind of, I got kind of bamboozled there in a minute. So yeah, kind of maybe I'm, if you will, maybe I I, I missed that up. But people were reacting. Well, why is Louisville still have KP if, you know, Ohio State's already fired their coach? I think, there's going to be some rationale behind that. And again, we were we were bemoaning Hurd's decision to retain him after the loss team up the road. We, we said it several times on this show, but I do think, you know, come a month from now, we're going to have some more clarity on that situation, and it's going to make a lot more sense. Let's go back to the phone lines. Cody has been patiently waiting. Cody, welcome into LSL. What's up, man? Hey, what's up, guys? Happy Wednesday. Cody! Rock, Rock and roll, and roll McDonald's! McDonald's. How have you guys been? Wonderful. Man, we're just enjoying the the latest season of Louisville basketball. Oh, dude, I'm I'm partying in my own way this year, man. I'm uh yeah, so can, can, can I just say that, that God bless him, but but the, Brandon puts up the most boring double-doubles I've ever seen in my <laughs> entire life. I mean, okay, like and this is a problem with KP too because uh I, I don't know why he sometimes plays with cinder blocks on his feet. Like the other, uh, when we, we beat Florida state, I, I thought that was the brand that we were going to get all the time, but you know, Kenny wants to play fast, 
but Brandon is like the most unfast big you could you, you you can find. Like there's some stretches I'm like I'd rather have Manny out there for 15 minutes because at least he can he can rim run a little bit, dude. That's what we've been missing. I'm I'm just so sick and tired of having centers that. That, that, that can't point up to the rim for an alley oop anymore because you know that they're not going to catch it. You know, uh, like the, the, uh, I, I really thought that's where Kenny, when, when he got this job, I thought that, that that's the position that he was going to eat at. And yeah, Brandon's gotten better, but he, the, the, the deficiencies in his game are still so noticeable. Like he struggled catching the ball so bad. Like I feel like there's so many turnovers that we get that aren't even our point guard's fault. It's because he 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 bobbles the ball. But I I thought we were gonna just get some rim running shot blockers in here, and and, and that that position was gonna be fortified, dude. And the, I think that's got to be the most disappointing aspect. And yeah, it, it just the defense, man. Like I, I thought Kenny coming in here, and you know, say what you want about John Calipari, you know, his Kentucky teams have typically played. A good to great defense, and I thought that him coming from Coach Thibodeau from from New York, a defensive minded coach, I thought that that was going to be his bread and butter starting out. So the, this whole ten years has just been so confusing. Um, also, just you know, we we all know that we're going to get a new coach. Um, I know that there's a lot of muscleman talk. I just feel like that's too, I don't know, easy. Uh, I feel like Trilly Donovan is just kind of flailing because Josh Hurd's got his office on lockdown. I, I think that he's got about four or five dudes that he's considering. I don't know what you guys think. And, and also, I agree with uh, Steve Rummage earlier. I do think that uh, Richard Patino should get an interview. And I think he should get the job, but I wouldn't mind him getting an interview for it. I think he's doing a great job. But um, yeah, no, I just don't think, uh, I don't think anybody knows other than Josh what's going to happen next. So that's all I got to say, man. I just had to get that off my chest. So <clears throat> appreciate you guys. Thanks, Cody, man. Don't be a stranger. Uh, hit us up anytime. Uh, what's your take on that, Taylor? Uh, Richard Patino getting an interview or not? What do you think? Huh. I think it would You want to talk about that in hour number two? I think we should. And then we've got Kathy. If Kathy can hang on through the break, we'll get her at the top of hour number two as well. Kathy rules. Let's do it. That's our number one in the books of Louisville Sports Live, the city's longest-running all UofL sports talk show. Hang tight. Our number two is straight ahead. Kathy from Kansas will lead things off. And then we'll, again, we've done this before. We'll do it again. Let's talk some coaching candidates. Has there been any other potential people emerge from a couple of weeks ago? We'll talk about that and more. You're listening to LSL. We'll be right back. Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com careers. That's opcpest.com careers. Where do you go to find all your favorite wine, beer, and spirits with selections customized to local tastes? For over 25 years, that go-to place has been Cox's Spirit Shop. Cox's, Louisville's go-to liquor store. Taking care of your family isn't always easy, so we make sure getting care when you need it is. With Baptist Health Urgent and Virtual Care, we bring you more options and greater convenience, too. 
with video visits available 24-7 and online check-in through MyChart for in-person visits. To check in online or to set up a video visit, go to baptisthealth.com slash care anywhere. When it's time to replace your heating and air system, we know people want options. That's why you'll always get a free second opinion with BJ Heating and Cooling. Plus, for a limited time, get 0% financing for 60 months on a new Bryant system. Call the experts you can trust at BJ Heating and Cooling. You're listening to Louisville Sports Live with Ethan Moore and Taylor Lynch right here on 93.9 The Ville. Welcome back in hour number two, Louisville Sports Live. City's longest running all UL sports talk show right here on 93.9 The Ville. Taylor Lynch, Ethan Moore. Spencer Brown, hanging out with you guys this evening. Let's go back to the phone lines. Kathy from Kansas will lead things off here in hour number two. Kathy, welcome in. Thank you. Um, I have another coaching candidate that I I know he's uh, retired right now, but I know what he did when he was here at Wichita State, Mark Turgeon. Uh he built that program. He built that program up, and I want to put another slot, uh, another position on Chris Mack. I think that his worst enemy was the president of the university. I think had she not um, done what she did, suspended him for those six games, that changed the whole whole chemistry of his career i believe i i i think that she has a lot to to do uh, to say about that um as far as richard patino i don't know i I, that might be that might be a good uh that might be a good uh, interview to have but please do not interview norm roberts Nobody from KU, please, because look what we got. And uh, I, I, I'm also probably going to say something that's going to get some ire. But I think Paul Rogers and Bob Valvano need to retire. Uh, sometimes Paul can't keep up, doesn't keep track of the score. And I loved it. In the TBT tournament last year, last summer, when uh, you had Drew, I think, and Jody were doing the games. It was wonderful. Drew did a great job, and Jody. And then if if Mark Lieberman is not coaching someplace, if if they change play-by-play people sometime, um, uh, they ought to put... Sorry, they ought to put him on uh, as the analyst and either Jody or Drew. I think they would be outstanding. And uh, as far as the new coach, I don't know. But 
I, I can't. I'm counting down the days now. When when would our last game be as far as the ACC tournament? I'm March twelfth. March. So we've got <clears throat> about four weeks to endure this pain and misery. But I got to say, this may be a, a, a sign to Jeff that he better start. He better. Get it right next year because if we went lose some games that we shouldn't, the fans might turn on him too. But I don't think so. But anyway, it just it just shows Kenny's lack of experience. Uh, he shouldn't. He should never have been hired until he coached in the major college uh, ranks at least a few years. Like some of them have, like the guy at ORU, like Jerome Tang. He shouldn't have been put right in it. And and Taylor, how is your dog? Is your dog a puppy? And I hope you're getting along good with him, and I'll (laughs) let you go. Thank you. Bye. Well, appreciate it, Kathy. Uh, Bentley is, is not a puppy. Uh, he is six years old, but uh, but he's doing good, and, and he's adjusted well to uh, to life with mom and dad, so so he's doing well. Thank you for asking. Really? We appreciate that. Kathy's all business, but we love, we love Paul and Bob. We do. We love yes, Paul and Bob. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. They're, they're legends uh, and do an awesome job night in and night out. Um so, so for Richard Pitino, I would be I would be for him getting an interview, but the lack of NCAA tournament success is 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 the glaring yeah of deficiency for me. And again, Minnesota is a very tough place to win. Uh, he has a great team at New Mexico right now, but I mean, that would that move the needle? No, I mean no, it wouldn't. I mean we got to have somebody with sustained tournament success. Success. Should he get an interview? Absolutely. I hope. I hope Josh interviews several candidates this time around, and yeah. not just you know, uh, you know, laser focus on one. What say you? No, I, I absolutely agree. I think that Louisville needs to turn over every rock, look under every stone, and, and and Josh needs to do his due diligence, which I'm sure he will. I have no doubt about that at all. Yeah. But we need to interview the best possible candidates that that we can interview that fit with you know what we want to do here at Louisville, our values, our goals that that just feels like we are all in in lockstep and that really fits the culture of this place because it is I, I think that was part of the the issue with Chris Mack was I don't think he understood the gravity of being the Louisville head basketball coach. I think no. that it was a from a coaching standpoint, I don't think it was too big for him, but I think it was everything else where when you're the head coach at a place like Kansas or the team up the road or Louisville or, uh, you know, insert Duke, Carolina, any of these power programs, you're just as much the CEO and the face of the program as you are the coach and, mm-hmm. and probably more so. And that was where Mac really struggled was the shaking hands and kissing babies part of the job and and the dealing with the media and the all the areas that Rick will really excelled um being the salesman being the the pitch man being the the face and the, and the voice of the program those were all things that he did really well those were all things that Mac really struggled with the next head coach 
has to knock those things out of the park and it has to be a fit from a from a culture standpoint as well and, and somebody that buys in and understands the gravity and and the prestige and the the stress quite quite frankly and the fact yeah. that you're going to be under the microscope as the Louisville head basketball coach and every move you make every decision you make is going to be scrutinized uh and is going to be picked apart and you have to have a thick skin and be prepared for that yeah yeah they have to embrace how big this job is and yes. you're right Craig. Coach Mack didn't do that. Uh, I do agree with Kathy in, in terms of Neely Bendapudi really um, putting the screws to him, and and that was this that was the beginning of the end, obviously, of the Mack tenure. But certainly, the suspension of you know six games, the the scuttlebutt that she was wanting to fire him um, for that, and then Vince Tyree was able to talk her out of that, but yeah. still suspend him six games, and then. He wasn't allowed to be around the program, and then you know Coach McGee was the head coach, and then the players didn't respond when he came back. Yeah, it was it was a mess, and then of course all when um, Ben Dapudi had one foot out the door at Penn State exactly. during all of that. Exactly. And then so, but yeah, and I think, but it proves it gets to your point, Taylor, as to why this time around Josh Hurd has to has to really uh, vet. Numerous candidates talk to anybody you know on his top list that, that wants to talk, um, you know whether formally or informally, but really feel feel the candidates out because he has to get this right. I mean, this is not like, you know, well we hope that this is gonna this is gonna be the person to turn it around. No, he, he, this has to be the person to turn it around because it has to get turned around. You know, if Louisville's in a, in a dire situation financially, you're gonna have to do what Jeff Brom did. And you know, embrace it, win the fans back, and, and play an exciting, an exciting brand of basketball, so that people want to come back out and support the program. And there's no, I have no doubt that that will be the case because I was able to go out to the Florida State and the Georgia Tech games, and again, the, the crowd size is not what it was. Downtown was not popping like it used to be pre-game or, or after the game, but. The fans that were there were loud and were spirited, and when given a product worth coming out there for, for the type of money that it commands, then this program is going to be back quicker than ever. So it's it's going to take that perfect fit, and I, I have no doubt, Taylor, that Louisville will land uh, a very very good coach in this in this cycle because without a doubt, Louisville will be the premier job available going forward this offseason yeah no. i don't know i'm pushing back on that there was a job that opened up today in columbus ohio that might be a more prestigious job. really no. <laughs> i was gonna say zach yeah all right yeah. zach goodness that's, that's, no. that's, that's my one zach impersonation yeah there you go there you go all right let's go back to the phone lines jerry has been patiently waiting jerry welcome into lsl man what's up can you hear me okay I'm, i got you on speaker i'm driving down to Waterson. we got you all right real quick i want to talk about herd at today's events with Ohio State, if Hurd wasn't um, ready and he's not been doing his due diligence, just, today was a wake-up call uh, because we've got competition now. Michigan's going to come open. Oklahoma State's going to come open. And then there's going to be a domino effect from other people to take other jobs. So we've got competition. you know. So hopefully he's been doing his work behind the scenes and this happens, okay? I want to talk about Chris Mack real quick, and then I'll give you my list of coaches. 
Um, the Chris Mike hire, in my opinion, was lazy by Tyree. Okay? I've always said you never know who's unhappy with their boss. You never know who is looking for a new challenge. And we took the easy way out. If you look at Chris Mack's resume, he had plenty of 12, 13, and 14 lost seasons. That's not the kind of coach we wanted here anyway, in my opinion. And, and the style of play didn't match the fan base. This style of play in the pack line defense and the offense, give me a break, okay? It just doesn't match UofL basketball. All right, enough of that. Um, what I what I have done uh, over the past month or so with my with my buddies on on uh, just texting and stuff is I got what I call my sweet sixteen, okay? And I and I'll go through it pretty quick. I'll give you my coaches one to sixteen. I'll give you the reasons why they're on there. I think I think heard you talk about Richard Patino. That's squaring around and trying to bunt the ball. We need a home run, okay? So you start out with Scott Drew. Everybody says, oh, he's not attainable. That's what they said about Rick Pitino also, okay? And we got him. So you, you, you call Drew, you make him say no, and then, and then you move on. But the thing about it is there, a lot of people don't realize Drew's getting ready to get a new boss. His AD is probably going to end up at Arizona. Arizona just fired their boss, and the Baylor AD is the Arizona grad. So you start with Drew because he's getting a new boss, and then you go to Tommy Lloyd, number two, because he's getting a new boss. Anytime these guys get a new boss, they're susceptible to be poached, and, and we're the poachers, okay? Number three, Chris Beard. Four is Pearl. Five is Oates, and I realize he's got a big buyout, but, you know, if you, you, you do what you do. You know, that's, that's my list. Six is Musk. I go with McDermott after that. Number eight, Thad Mata. Um, I, I didn't have him on my list until recently, and a buddy of mine said, hey, check out his resume. You know, Thad Mata has a 24-11 and 11 record in the NCAA. I watched his Butler teams play over the past few weeks, and they play hard, and he's got talent, okay? So after Mata, I go with Ben McCollum, the Division II coach that has four national championships, 42 years old, okay? When, when the COVID year hit, he, uh, he was 31-1 and one in the favorite to win it. So he could have easily had five national championships. He's 19-4 and four this year, and the guy's got an 85 or 80, something like 85% winning percentage. All right? After him, Grant McCaslin from Texas Tech, who I think plays a great style of ball. T.J. Ottenberger from Iowa State. Then I, round, I bring up the rear with Dusty May. Dusty's low on my list because... He doesn't have, I mean, he, he, he doesn't have a long track record. You know, I've got a problem with May. Um, Lamont Paris is next. Shaka. And then I rounded out with Mick Cronin and Tang. But back to May. May and Tang, their body of work is too small. They're too big a risk. And that's just, that's the way I feel about those guys. But I think, again, you got to swing for the fence if you're heard and, and, and go from there. You know what I mean? So, that's the way I see it. Everybody's talking must. I'd be happy with him. Even though he's sixth on my list, I'd be happy with him. So I appreciate you guys' time. Thanks, man. Thanks, Jerry. That, that was an extensive list. I did not I did not know about the potential um, of the Baylor AD going to Arizona. That would yeah. certainly 
I mean, you know, that's that that certainly raises some eyebrows. And you know, Jerry's right. When when there is a change at the AD spot, uh, that's a lot of times when when the time is right to 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 move schools to pick up a, a new challenge. So we'll see. But yeah, that that's interesting. There, any other names that he mentioned kind of stick up to you? I mean, there was there was a lot there. Uh, Thad Mata came out of left field. I was twenty four and eleven though in the tournament. Yeah. I mean, that's that. I, I perked up that. Oh, no, absolutely, absolutely. No, I I think that you're right. the The fact that the Baylor AD could be headed to Arizona, I also think there could be even if he doesn't go. I, I feel like Scott Drew is not as unattainable as everyone likes to think that he is because. He's already climbed to the top of the mountain at Baylor. He's already won the national championship at Baylor. I don't know how much more he can do there. And he turned it around. I mean, you thought that you know Louisville had it bad with all of their all of their um, off the court stuff. I mean, man, he Baylor was as low as you could get. Absolutely. And and he built that bad boy up and, is, and was a national champion. You're right. Yeah, I mean certainly if you can get a, if you can get a coach that has won a national championship here, huh, that's a grand slam hire. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Let's go back to the phone lines. Bob has been waiting. Bob, welcome into LSL. What's up, man? Hey guys, um, uh, that was a tough. Call. That's going to be a tough call. To, <laughs> you know, talk. How many do you have on your list? <laughs> I, I don't have a sixteen-person list. I can tell you that. Um, but uh, just read listening to the radio over the last over today and in the last few days. Uh, I think it's, it's, it's obvious that we've got to get another coach and that KP, you know, we, we let him off or we'll let him stay, you know, when we should have let him go on Christmas. But now, you know, we're really behind the eight ball. We got to get somebody and and soon because with Ohio State and Michigan looking for coaches, you know we're we're behind the eight ball and, and searching. And 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 one thing I'll say about that is I I hope that Josh Hurd, and I'm sure he has has been vetting and and inquiring with agents uh, around the you know the college basketball to, to gauge interest. I just hope we don't do like we did the last time with Mac, where we appointed a committee uh, that you have to go through, and the committee was just a bunch of academic people. Because I, I thought I think that was a waste of time. You you hire an athletic director, Ala Tom Jurich, who can get his staff to do the vetting and the checking, and and hire the right person. Uh, and I think that's the way we need to go, and 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 I hope that Josh has already do it, been doing that, which I think he has, and and I think he also needs to uh, know, which I hope he does, the kind of coach we need to get is you know as, as good as Chris Mack was before everything fell apart. You know, you don't go out and get a pack line defense Tony Bennett style coach. You know, you get a coach like Crum and Patino who runs an exciting, high-pressure defense, deflections, turnovers, and lots of points uh, and three-point uh, shots. That's the kind of guy that Louisville fans 
have come to embrace and going out and getting somebody uh, different isn't going to work. So anyway, and and I will put a name in, which is already on that 16-person list that the guys mentioned. I think Shaka Smart would do great. Uh, He's still young. Uh, He's, uh, you know, 46 years old. And he runs an exciting brand of basketball. He's been to a Final Four once. You know, he kind of got railroaded at Texas. Uh, but look what he's doing at Marquette. But, but anyway, if it's not him, just somebody like him that's got a history of coaching success, winning success. So anyway, uh, see what you guys think about that. Appreciate the phone call. Yeah, Shaka, to be honest with you, was always at the top of my list. I just have not mentioned him solely because I have not heard any buzz associated with he in Louisville. That's that's why I think, to your point, he would be a perfect fit here. His style of play is tailor-made for Louisville basketball. Uh, I do, you know... I do have some pause with his lack of tournament success, but I'm still willing to overlook that because I don't think that he was the right fit at Texas. I think he is the perfect fit at Marquette, and he's from Wisconsin. So that's another fact that, you know, again, maybe that's why we haven't heard much Buzz Taylor in terms of Shaka Smart and and Louisville. Like you did the previous two openings, Shaka was a name mentioned, McCrona was a name mentioned, uh, especially two years ago. But I just... I don't see him at this juncture leaving for Marquette. That's his home state, and he fits into that culture, that program very well, but I think he would be a home run hire and would have fit perfectly um, stylistically with Louisville basketball. What say you? I agree with all of that as far as stylistically him fitting here and and what he likes to do and, and bringing that. But I, to me, it's the tournament success or – the lack thereof tournament success mm-hmm. that I think is an issue for me. Um, he did have the one final four, but that was, it, it feels more and more like lightning in a bottle. Uh, yeah. Then it does, you know, sustain excellence. Um, and, and I'm kind of with you. I think that he, he was so tense and so uptight and, and trying so hard at Texas. And it was like, you know, square peg, round hole. Like, it just was mm-hmm. not working for him. And now he's at Marquette, and they are good, and he is having success. And it feels like Marquette is like his exhale. Like, he's able oh, yeah. to relax, and, and you know, they have expectations there, but they don't have the same level of expectations that you have at a Louisville. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I feel like I feel like he's, he's comfortable and enjoying what he's doing and enjoying doing it at Marquette. Um, and I feel like he is like out of the frying pan into the fire if he comes here. And I feel like it's like the Texas situation for him all over again, where now he's thrust into a high pressure, high intensity, um, you know, high expectation driven job. Um, and I, I don't know if he really wants to do that. And I don't necessarily blame him. Yeah, I mean, I can see that. I can certainly see that with him. Again, it's it, with it being his home state, it does feel like he's the perfect fit for that, kind of like Jeff Brom is for Louisville football. Yep. And maybe maybe with that expectation component um, that he's more comfortable at Marquette. But the reason why I haven't mentioned, mentioned him as much as I did in years past is simply because 
you just haven't heard any buzz. Like, so with the Louisville job, you know, of course, you've heard buzz with Beard, with Muss, with Tang, with Cronin, but that's been about it. So if Louisville's next coach comes from someone other than that four, as it stands right now, I would be surprised because there's just no buzz. Now, like we've like we've mentioned before, if there is, you know, multiple candidates, multiple interviews, and to, to the caller's point, um, you know, I've been told that there certainly has been some movement in back channels of, you know, vetting with, with you know, agents, et cetera. So there is, if, if people feel like, you know, Josh Hurd's not doing any background work, that's not the case. He is. Um, and I fully expect him to be prepared to act, to act swiftly and to make a big move and a, and a splash higher here in, in, a, in several weeks. But, you know, that's part of what we talked about earlier. I mean, the need to get the need to get this right. It, it is a, you know, we talk about must-win games, Taylor. This is a must. This is a it has to be a must-hire of a home run. No, you're 100% right. Uh, let's see. The uh, texter texts in and says, we don't want to compete with Big Ten schools for coaches. Ohio State and Michigan can match Louisville with pay. Maybe able to pay more. A good coach can win in the ACC right away. That's a plus for Louisville. The callers are right. Don't get behind the eight ball. Yeah, so um, with that, with that component, with with the Big Ten and the SEC, as opposed to the big the Big Twelve and the ACC, from a financial standpoint, yes, that we cannot get around the fact that those two conferences, the Big Two out of the Power Four, uh, will make and do make considerably more money on an annual basis, and will have that stockpile of loot that ACC schools won't have now it's not it's not to say that the acc and the big 12 are in the poorhouse uh they're not but they're they are going to have more financial i guess power but then again too i i still until proven otherwise taylor i don't think uh the ohio state the michigan jobs are on the same tier as louisville i don't think the same amount of coaches uh, that will be attracted to leave another power program for those programs can match the prestige and the allure that Louisville does, especially now with no NCAA cloud. Uh, but yeah, there's no doubt about it. Louisville's going to have some competition, but Louisville's going to have the premier job this offseason. And and rest assured, I'm comfortable in saying this, that, that Josh Hurd is fully equipped and is fully prepared to make a move um, when needed at the end of the year. And, and I don't think this is a scenario where he's like just, you know, in the in the background twill, twirling his thumbs and just waiting for something to happen. I think he's been proactive behind the scenes, doing his due diligence. And again, I think he'll be ready to make a move when that time comes. Absolutely. I agree with you. Uh, let's go back to the phone lines. Danny has been waiting. Danny, welcome into LSL. What's on your mind? Uh, yeah, I had to comment on Kathy uh, talking about hiring uh, Mark Turgeon. As uh, I follow Maryland as well, and uh, I've always enjoyed their uh, basketball since Joe Smith put 44 on Duke. You know, so it's always been fun to watch them. Uh, man, you're talking about a polarizing figure. The last few years of Turgeon's tenure at Maryland were god awful. So much so that they had to have Danny Manning take over. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. And that's not something you guys want right now is Danny Manning to take over. You're telling <laughs> you'd go from a bad coach with at least a good personality to 
a bad coach with no personality whatsoever. You know, I mean, he can't he can't win. He can't win the big game. So I think the record will be better because he'll beat the cupcakes the teams you're supposed to beat. But he's not going to beat your top tier teams. He's he just won't. He won't get you far in the tournament either. And he has some really good players coming, you know, Tremble and Diamond Stone and for a part of Jalen Smith, you know, Bruno Fernando. There were some really fun, good players on that those teams. Um, and one year they were like, what, preseason top five? Uh, the year they uh, got, um, I believe they, they, they drafted, not, they picked Stone and then it was adding it to Tremble who was, all world, but if you talk about like how he ruined that kid too, because you didn't have any backup for Trimble, so Trimble had to play all game, every game, to where it's just like the running back effect of college, where when you use up a running back, they're just not really available for your team anymore, not really available for the pros. So I really feel like I don't know. He's just he's, he's a very polarizing figure, and uh, that's all I really wanted to say. Uh, thank you for your time. No problem, man. Little uh, little terrapin basketball uh, from Danny. No, I mean, and that's why we didn't really follow up yeah. with that. I mean, Mark Turgeon's not going to be on the list. No. He's not going to be the next level coach. And no. yeah, it, you're correct. I mean, Danny Manning was the interim at Maryland, and I think Ted, did we beat them? I think we beat them that year too, no. before Turgeon retired or quit or whatever. Yeah, because it was down in the Bahamas. It was in the Bahamas, oh, the Bahama Bahamas. Bullies. We were the last team Baja. to beat Maryland before yes. the uh, mutual party away. I was thinking of when they came here and we played them. Uh, the oh, with Willard, Center yeah. With, yeah, yeah. With well, they beat us by a million. They beat us yeah. by like a billion. And all I remember was that was the first time I've ever sat in a suite at the Yum Center, and there was about Ooh. 14 people there for that game. And then Willer had nothing but negative things to say about the city. Yes. So what? So Taylor, what was the read in that suite? Um, did people feel like you did early on? We're like, oh boy, we made a major mistake, or, or what? What was the? Well, let me tell you, Ethan. We were the only people there. Oh. That should tell you all you need to know. Oh, I thought there was fourteen other. Oh, are you talking about fourteen other people in the stands? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. I thought you just said fourteen other no, people in the suite. No, okay. no, 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 no. Yeah, that game was over as soon as it started. Us. Well, there you go. You know what I mean? But that's so, a sign least... early on. Have you been out to a game this year? No. All right. You did go to the exhibition. I remember you went to the Simmons one. I think. Yeah, we did. We went to an exhibition, but I haven't been to a regular season game. Oh, okay. All right. Well, I hope that changes for you. I don't think I've been to the games to see uh, the Furman beating a couple years back. The only reason we went to the Simmons Oof. game was because somebody gave us the tickets. Well, yeah. If yeah. you're not going to give me tickets, I'm not going to go. I, I just still remember, like, when we when I was watching that Leanne Rimes game, and I'm, you're just like, what is this? You were thinking, how do I live? <laughs> hey, how you Without doing? Without you. <laughs> no, I just... I was appalled. I mean, <laughs> well played. Keep it going. Well played. It was it was just mind numbing. Like I was like, surely this can't be that bad, right? Surely, and it was. And that was definitely a sign of of not so good things to come. So, uh, basement bowl watch: Notre Dame forty three, Georgia Tech forty four. Uh, usually you're supposed to go with the team that's up. Barn first that. 
Yeah, 10.56 left. Georgia Tech with a one-point lead over Notre Dame in South Bend. Miami with a four-point lead over Clemson at Clemson. So, you know, bubble watch. Um, bubble watch up top on my home screen, home studio screen, and basement ball watch at the bottom. Um, let's see. I mean, Notre Dame is playing with, playing with some fire. Georgia Tech, Miles Kelly, you know, he went off 36 against Louisville at yep. first half. In the first half of the game against Notre Dame, guess how many points he had, gentlemen? Uh, Say three. Seven. Zero. Oh. Right? I mean, are you surprised? No, not, <laughs> I mean, not at all. Notre Dame plays defense, so no. Oh. So we got yeah. a little bit of ACC news this afternoon if you really want to call it news uh the winter meetings wrapped up and uh, the acc has made a decision on the basketball tournament moving forward Uh, now that the acc will be expanding obviously adding stanford cal and smu um they have decided that it will be the top 15 teams will qualify for the acc tournament beginning next season so the bottom three teams in the league will not make it to um, Charlotte for the ACC championship. So same bracket Good. format as yes. th- we currently have. Yes, I love it. It doesn't need to go any longer than it does. The day of shame needs to be scheduled how it is now. And I tweeted this out earlier. If you're 16, 17, or 18, you don't deserve to be in it anyways. No. So I'm glad. I'm glad that they kept it as such. And you know, if you, if they wanted to do the top 14. You know, keep it an even number. I'd be okay with that as well. But I know you got to do the double buy process, and that's how that works. But yeah, I'm I'm perfectly fine with that. I agree with that. And you know, maybe there there's a scenario, probably not, with media rights money, where you want to condense it, and maybe the top twelve go. I I I don't think that would happen. But I, I like how they're keeping it um, at the top fifteen. It gives maybe that those teams, you know, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, something extra to play for. Um, as the regular season winds down, uh, I like that decision. Yeah, I think it's a good decision, and I think again, if you like you said, if you don't make it, if you're you know sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, you don't deserve to to be there anyway. No. So I I have no issues with that at all. So do you think you'd be more inclined to play to get to the tournament or not? If you're one of the players, you're like, well, this is a lost cause. Like I mean, not like necessarily tanking per se, but yes. I mean, I. No, I think you know, you, you know, one more, one more trip um, with your with your bros. I mean, I, I could see why people would want to do that. You just absolutely to, you know, go to take a take another trip Charlotte, to Charlotte, North Carolina, or yeah. the occasional Greensboro. Yeah, which I we mean, know Jim <laughs> Beheim loves. Dude, can we? Or Brooklyn? Oh yeah, never mind. Or Washington DC? Oh yeah, never oh, mind. Oh yeah, wait. Or 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 Dallas? You know, since we have SMU now. Mm-hmm. I mean, Palo Alto. Like the, wouldn't it be funny if they just yeah if they went to just. Berkeley the for, ACC a, for a season in San Francisco live from the now I mean, named crypto.com center there you go they put in a bid for that can you imagine Dude. wouldn't that be something but yeah I, I don't know man like what did Florida State have a say in anything in these winter meetings I hope not do they probably sat in the corner and pouted <laughs> take it to Miami nope nope we're not going to Miami no nope. beautiful yeah. city but we can't go there because you wanted it that, yeah. why do you have I not in Miami I don't know why, why. Why keep everything in North Carolina? I do not understand. Like I don't know it. how the bidding process works for this necessarily. You just got to be in the Tar Heel State, and yeah, then you'll pr- probably win it. Absolutely. 
and I'm not going to get into this, gentlemen, uh, with, with conference realignment, but if if you do follow my personal account, I did tweet out something, I think it was last night or a couple of nights ago. I found a new um, blogger, columnist, uh, Substack writer, um, and he, he went to great detail to, uh, to chronicle the steps Florida State is taking and how that move would work financially. It's a great read if you're interested in that type of thing. Um, and that's all I'm going to say on that. Say on that for that point. But I'm still thinking. I think by 2025, 2026, Florida State's out of here for for the ACC. And now they're supposed to finally vote. I think on the 20th. Happy birthday to my sister at that point. There you go. Um, um, I do think they're finally going to vote on that day for the five seven model for 24 and 25 and mm-hmm. then you, you're already hearing rumblings shocker that the sec and the big 10 kind of want to expand it even further potentially to 16 no i don't have a, i don't have a problem with that but i think with that deal um you're looking at multiple automatic bids for those conferences now does that include the other two of the power four i don't know this is just in the beginning stages of that but I'm, you know, listen. If y'all want to do 12 teams the next two years and go up to 16, the money's going to be there. ESPN just re-upped. I think it was what 7.8 billion dollars yep. for the life of the next contract. So there's going to be money to be made, money to be had. But I think now, also, part of this deal is they're breaking down who gets what and how much. So, obviously, if the SEC and the Big Ten get more teams in, they're going to make more money, uh, and that gap is going to widen. But I don't know what those other two leagues are going to do. Uh, Should they consolidate? Should they just merge, consolidate in some way to to form a third mega conference to compete, to bring, um, you know, to bring Fox in to a certain extent? To make more money? I don't know. I mean, I think that would be the only thing they could do to close the gap somewhat more. But they're far and away, uh, you know, the two power the two power leagues. But again, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. Are you something to kind of? We can go down that rabbit hole. Well, I know I I kind of found myself (laughs) doing it anyways. But I I was trying to break as well um, for that. But it's something to kind of something to monitor, you know, as. As I didn't know that this was just a two-year deal right now, but I do think what kind of promises are going to be made to the Pac-2? Would it be better, guys, if the ACC just said, all right, come on, Oregon State and Washington State, you're with us, we're going to agree to this new model, and then we'll it, we'll agree to you know five and eleven well, if they expand to, to sixteen. What do you, what would you do to those with those schools? Well, did you hear that the Pac-2? are going to maintain, and the other Pac-12 schools, even though they're going to the Big Ten and the uh, and the Big 12 respectfully, or respectively, they are going to maintain the tie-ins to the Pac-12 Bowls for this season. I did not know that. So ha- Yeah, so, so basically Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, uh, Colorado, and the other Pac-2 schools – uh, they are going to still be eligible, and I guess Oregon and Washington as well, uh, will still be eligible for the Pac-12 bowl games this coming season. I mean, that makes sense logistically, right? I mean, yeah. there's no way if they're, you know, the ACC schools, the Big Ten schools, uh, 
there's no way there there wouldn't be enough slots for those conferences with their tie-ins already. I mean, that makes the most sense. You know, hooray for common sense. That's that's probably the smartest way to, to do that. Now, am I wrong to assume that the Pac-12 will keep that money from those bowl games, or is that going to go to those new conferences? That's interesting. I don't know, because technically the the Pac-2 can – they – Oh yeah, dude. They're not going to want to give that up. Oh yeah. No, 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 no. They're going to want to keep all of that. But, but it makes you wonder if, if Louisville, I mean, uh, if the ACC were to add Oregon State and Washington State, is there potential angling there to get the rights to those Pac-12 bowls, and then that's an additional revenue source for the ACC? Well, the Holiday Bowl already has both conferences. True. So you sure. have to negotiate that. Yeah, but. that needs to be tweaked a little bit. That'd be funny if it was like Stanford versus UNC next year. Yeah, the yeah, the Holiday Bowl. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. I just think that, and that's been a problem but with you know Commissioner Phillips and the ACC not being um, proactive. They're being reactive, and that's why they find themselves in this spot. But just when you see, you can see this you know, manifesting itself. There was a great article. Um, I encourage everybody to read it on Yahoo about um, the next phases of college athletics. What is that going to look like with, with the, the new um, D1 proposal from the NCAA in terms of NIL? What does the, what does the Big 12 or Big 10, excuse me, SEC partnership mean for the other two power leagues? Commissioner Phillips went on record as saying that, you know, they were a little surprised, but they've been forthcoming and up, you know, honest with them in the times that all four conferences have met together. But, you know, we heard that before with the with that uh, famous alliance right. that, that lasted for two and a half weeks. So I don't know. But something's going to have to change. Again, short term, we're fine. But something's going to have to change by, you know, around 2030, guys, because like, like a texter alluded to, when you're when you're looking for coaches and there's going to be a huge differential in monies after the next five years, I mean one or two years there's going to be a gap, but then you just multiply that by three or four or five more, and you know there's a chasm. So how do you combat that? I'm not sure, but again, the ACC and the Big Twelve aren't going to be in the poorhouse either. But compared to the brethren in the in the SEC in the Big Ten, there's going to be a big gap. And something's going to have to happen. Florida State's not going to be a part of the conference in a few years. What happens with that? Taylor and I speculated, you know, months ago, weeks ago, perhaps they could, you know, they can use that, that $572 million or whatever it is when they decide to leave, whatever they negotiate. If, if it comes to negotiation, perhaps – you can sweeten the pot for the other big brands that are with that would be looking to leave for the short term, give everybody else, you know, some some bonus money from them as well. I don't know, but it's something that something to monitor, man, because college athletics is changing before our very eyes, and it's going to get even crazier, uh, in my opinion, down the road in the next three or four years. That's where I keep going back to. I keep going back to the ACC has just got to try to hold this thing together for a little while longer until if Florida State, whenever they decide to leave, whenever that is, they've got to just hold this thing together 
until the grant of rights is up for the new Big 12. And then, as the ACC, you have got to be the aggressor then. You've Mm -hmm. got to go after those Big 12 brands that you want. You've got to go after the, you know, the West Virginia and Cincinnati and UCF and Colorado, Arizona. You know, yeah, yeah, like these are the Houston, you know, um, even I tricked you. We're talking about conference realignment. I know. I love it, though. This is my thing, too. You know, I'm right there. I'm, I nerd out on this stuff with you. I take uh, Kansas for the basketball resource. Absolutely. Absolutely. But though, that's what you're going to have to do. That's what Jim Phillips is going to have to do. And unfortunately, I don't think Jim Phillips is the guy to do it. I I'm think, with you. I think the ACC will need better leadership, different leadership at that point, because I don't think Jim Phillips is the one to, to lead the ACC into this new era. He's he's too slow to react. George yeah. Kalofkov's unemployed right now if you want to go after <laughs> Yeah, how did that work? <laughs> Is he finally? Yeah. They, yesterday they said they were working towards a uh, separation agreement with uh, George Kalofkov. Why the hell do you have to have a separation agreement? It was a massive failure. That you called, have nothing to manage. Co- Let's talk exactly. about that. You have nothing left to manage. You oh, have no we, conference. He, uh, did you just do a conference call with the AD at Wazoo in Oregon State? Yeah. It's like, hey, how's, how's life treating you? Right. We're yeah, semi-members of like three different conferences. <laughs> yeah. Thanks a lot, pal. I mean, why is there? A, why would there be a separation? He should be fired. He failed at his job miserably Horribly and caused the conference to evaporate. Yeah. I mean, really. Anywho, I don't know why. I don't know why I get irrationally mad when I talk about Klyakov and the Pac-12. It was just, but it was just one of those things too. Almost like with, with KP, you saw these. You saw this from a mile away with him. Like you saw the. Like you can't sit here and continue to slow play negotiations. It's BS. You didn't have a deal. You never did. And you knew that these teams were going to leave, and you still slow play them. I, I don't get it. And but then, whatever. I, I think there's everything we get irrationally mad about sometimes, and for some weird reason, that and then my yard hose getting knots in it, I become <laughs> unglued. Unglued. If somebody, like if my neighbor, my back neighbor saw me <laughs> cussing and screaming at this at the at this hose for getting a knot in it, like he he would think I was possessed by a demon. I get so mad. When it when it gets a knot in, I, I, because you know why? It's because I bought him and it was guaranteed not to knot. Oh, uh, you fell for and it. And it did it anyways. You fell for it. And I got tricked. And I get uh, it's infuriating. And again, I don't know why I get that mad about it, but I do. You know? Is there anything else that you all feel like you get irrationally mad about? <sighs> Gosh, um, obviously sports comes to mind for me. But I, feel like that's but all I mean, I don't know if that's irrationally mad. I mean, if your if your team, your favorite teams lose and they look bad doing it, like you're going to be mad. When I, like anything goofy or weird. When I'm cutting the grass and I have to empty the bag before I finish cutting both the backyard and the front yard. Oh god, I hate it. I, I okay. absolutely that drives me insane. Because then I gotta stop what I'm doing, then I gotta empty the bag, then I gotta put it back on, then I gotta finish. You gotta put the bronzer back on, you gotta put the SPF4 on. I get it. It drives me nuts. You got a yard that's halfway cut. Yeah, it just looks weird. It looks like crap. Especially with the front yard. 
yeah. It's so nice. so the so does the wife watch you when you cut the grass? Just in awe. No. I wish, no. but no. No. You should you should get her on the mic, man. Close out the show. And you know what does she think about your grass cutting skills? She's engrossed in her book right now. I told her I was like, you need to bring a book because you're probably gonna get bored. So she's engrossed in in her book. Oh well, I feel like I feel like we should close out when we close out the show that she should like talk talk about a story when she got mad at the Patriots or something and then like have her accent come out. <laughs> okay. I mean. I, that would, that right. would be, uh, that would be uh, great. Honey, Ethan wants a, a story, so think about it, of a time you got irrationally mad at the Patriots. So just marinate on that for a minute. Yeah. Has she been on? Has she, has she made her LSL debut or anything with any pre, pre-game, no. post-game stuff? No. Really? No. Yeah, I got Amber out there once one tailgate, and I was like, listen. <laughs> now that's dangerous let's not use the dump button let's just it was one of those 24-hour marathon things and we yeah. were out at the caboose today and like hey i'm gonna give you a, i want you to give a prediction but you know we already got lost in the sauce a little bit and we we're like let's <laughs> let's tone it down i just i just need a prediction and why um but she she did great she did great with her debut so oh, that's fantastic so is amber a sailor <laughs> I've never met Amber, so I'm just asking legitimately here. But by Taylor's appearance, I'm guessing yes. Oh, oh, yes, yes, <laughs> very much so. Yes, um, very, very. I mean, she is the captain. Absolutely. So we touched on this a little bit earlier, but I wanted to come back to it because I wanted your opinion on this because I I texted Zach, and he completely agreed. Does the Ohio State job so the, them firing Chris Holtman? The Ohio State job to me feels like a Chris Mack job because he did have that interview that he gave. Uh, what was it at some Xavier like honors banquet or something a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago where he said that alluded to he was ready to get back into coaching. It feels like Ohio State is the job that he would that he would be interested in. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. Um, would so? What's the question? Is it? Would he want that, or do you think Ohio State would consider him? I think both. I think would he want it, and then do you think he would be considered by Ohio State? Without a doubt, he would want it, and I could be persuaded one way or the other if if he would be you know a, a legitimate candidate for Ohio State to to go after. Certainly, think um, you know the way he ended here at Louisville um, certainly tainted his tenure, obviously. But again, his first year here, making the making the tournament, losing in the first round. His second year, twenty four and seven, finished number fourteen in uh, the final poll. COVID year, of, of course, costing the rest of the season. I think Louisville was projected five seed in the ACC tournament, four or five seed in the NCAA tournament that year if they would have played. Um, did have those February March swoons where the schedule got a little bit tougher in Louisville. Um, you know, usually had most of their losses in those last two months. Yep. In the times in the in the two really good seasons are not really good, but good seasons under Mac, and then you know in the COVID year, thirteen and seven, the first team out of the tournament. I certainly think Ohio State's going to give him a look. And and to answer your first question, I, I am I would be shocked if he's not really really interested in that job. Do you think he's coaching next season? Yes, hundred percent. And I, I could see to him too. Would you do you think he would want a power job or do you think he would be content with like, you know, he's down there in Florida with his daughters um, in their in their collegiate volleyball careers 
do you think he would take like you know an FIU or you know a smaller like a South Florida type of job? I know South Florida's you know really good this year that under their new coach. Yeah, who's that first year or year zero? Yeah, but year zero. Would would you think he would be you know down for like FIU or would he want a power job? I think he would be down for it. Here's the thing with him: whether it's a power job or not, he needs to be somewhere where the basketball program is not the focal point. He needs to be I somewhere see. where, like, that's why I think he would do well at Ohio State because Ryan Day and the football program are going to take all of the eyeballs. They're going to, you know, it's it's twenty four seven, three sixty five Ohio State football. That's all they care about. Um, they like they like basketball. They would like basketball to be good, but I mean, they let Chris Holtman flounder for five seasons at Ohio State and just be mid. Mm-hmm. So they're not that concerned about it. So that's somewhere where he can just focus on coaching his team. He doesn't have to be the the face of the program and rah 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 and out there campaigning and 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 all of that stuff that he had to do here. Ryan Day does all of that. He doesn't have to. He wouldn't have to worry about that. So. That is where I think he's going to do well, is if he gets at a program like that that's either a power program where football is is the driver, just like if he went somewhere in the SEC and was like at Georgia or something, and, and he can just coach his team and not worry about anything else. I think that is where he would do really well. What about this scenario? What if Sean Miller gets another job and Xavier – has an opening. I think he'd he's back. going. He would be going back to. I think he's oh, absolutely. That's his hometown. That's his alma mater. But again, you're in a you're in a, a pro town where yep. you have the Reds, you have the Bungles, and you know Xavier is, you know, a, a couple columns deep in the sports page. Like they're not mm-hmm. they're not front page. In You're your currently down newspaper. seventeen to Seton Hall right now, and nobody cares. No, probably no. Yeah. I mean, and Xavier's only thirteen and eleven. So to be thirteen another... and twelve. Mm-hmm. So that's so, why Sean Miller is Miller's he... a fascinating guy because I know his history. Obviously, yeah. is good. But does Ohio State is like the highs we could potentially get with you is more than you know the recent lack of success. Who knows? Yeah. Basement Bowl update. Notre Dame 54, Georgia Tech 53 with 154 to wow. go. Wow. ACC Who's going to be tied man. with us? Yeah. Catch that. Uh, what is it? Excellence or whatever. What are they yeah. saying? Accomplished greatness. Accomplished greatness. Who's going to be 3-11 and 11 alongside the Cardinals? Yuck. Find out. Yuck. Yeah, so... But yeah, so that, that's that's an interesting angle, man. But I, I think, listen, Louisville's going to have some competition for a job. I think so. But Louisville, without a doubt, will be the top tier for that. Uh, another ACC game, Clemson, it looks to be in firm control over Miami, 71-60, to 60, with about two minutes to go in that one. There you go. So uh, Louisville's win over Miami, again, it was impressive there for about a, uh, a week. And then now the, the, the door's falling off for the Canes. They're going to drop to 15-10. and 10. Oof. Six and eight. Oof. Six and eight in the ACC. That's what losing to Louisville does to you. So we'll see. <laughs> um, that will about do it for us tonight. I want to thank uh, Taylor's for uh, going into the studio. Oh, do you want to get Rachel? Can do we have time yeah. for a Rachel rant? You got a you got a uh, a Pat story there, dear. She said. <laughs> that that's probably better. That's that's probably better. Remember the time that they beat the. The Steelers and you lost your mind. That was great. 
Yeah. You can tell you can tell them tell the tell the people about that one. When we beat you. Yeah. Oh, and I got really, really happy, and then I stood over Taylor on the couch and pointed in his face mockingly like a little two-year-old, being like, like, ha-ha, I stole your cookie, but ha-ha, I just beat the SHIT out of your team, and then I felt really good for a little bit. <laughs> well, there, you, well, there go. you go. Yeah. There you go. We, we didn't get the Northeastern a- accent, but you know what? No, <laughs> there you go. There you go. That's what I was hoping for. Got the first clam chowder. Yeah, you did. Back in got September. Little, got a little chowder. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, that will do it for us tonight. Thank you guys and gals so much for listening, calling in, texting in. Uh, You know, we're going to grind out this basketball season, just a few weeks left to go, and then it's going to be search season yet again, and hopefully the last time for a long time for this Louisville basketball program. Thanks again. Happy Valentine's Day. For Taylor Lynch and Spencer Brown, I'm Ethan Moore. Thank you guys so much for listening. Have a great day. Have a great evening. And until next time, go Cards.